Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is the weekly show where we talk about all things money and finance and where we give you information to help you make the best financial decisions possible. So if you want to buy your first home, you want to be better with money, you want to learn how to invest, where to begin, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Peter Kamalafe. I'm so thrilled to have you here. So without further ado, let's get going with this week's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Conversation on Money podcast. I hope you guys have had an amazing weekend. We're moving through uh, content here and we're moving on to a topic that I know that many people who have messaged me, certainly on IG, are interested in this. And to be honest, it is a big topic. It's sexy right now. It's popular. It's something that everybody wants to get involved with. Um, and it's property investment. Now, if you follow me, you know that this is not my area of expertise in the slightest. So as always, whilst I can always give my two cents, I don't ever want to overstretch my boundaries and 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 talk about things that I'm not an expert in. So to help me out with that, I've actually got an expert joining me on the podcast this week to talk about his journey, give some tips about property investments, things that you guys have asked that should hopefully add value to the conversation. His name is Marcus Jolly. He is a property investor. Welcome, Marcus. Thank you, Peter. You're too kind. Uh, pleasure to be here. Cool, man. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you're here because I know that we connected maybe about two, three weeks ago and we started talking about this. Yeah. And I thought it was nice to kind of have somebody else come on because, again, I don't like to overstretch on my boundaries in terms of expertise and stuff like that. And I know that you are actively, you know, investing in properties. You've got projects going yeah. on right now. So I thought you'll be the perfect person to come on and actually just uh, talk about property investment, what you found, what your learning curve has been, really, and yeah. um, hopefully inspire some people who want to get into property as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, everything that I've learned through property has all been kind of self-taught. Um, I'm not a property professional. Um, my background's in recruitment. Uh, prior to that, in biology, um, in terms of the degree and whatnot. Um, and then I kind of got into property investing quite accidentally. Uh, okay. And then since then, finding out about property, learning about everything you need to know to kind of navigate. Property is a big sector. Property investing is a big, huge sector. Lots of different strategies, lots of different ways of doing it. Obviously, a lot of different regulations. And when you, from mortgages to conveyancing, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's a minefield of things to kind of navigate through. Um and yeah, it's all, it's all been self-taught. So um, yeah, it's really good that I've got to a position where I can share a story that perhaps uh, people uh, people can take some value from. Perfect. So your background, like you said, there is biology. So yeah, how do you how do you, I always ask this question of people? I've got one of my investment uh, manager mates coming on in a couple of weeks' time, and he's an investment manager slash financial planner, but he started off in sciences and DNA analysis. Yeah, so, yeah. and I asked him the question, "How do you get there?" So I'm going to ask you the same question: How do you go from biology? all the way into property investment, how do you make that transition? It, it actually is a, it's a great question because it really does um, interface both um, my property investment journey uh, and, and, and as, as you've mentioned, around my background. So um, I studied, um, applied in human biology at Aston University, graduated in 2015. Um, and the later years of my graduation, um, uh, my, I was living at home at the time uh, my mum was in very, very serious financial difficulty um, with regards to her mortgage. I'm not sure if you know about uh, the endowment policies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of them failed. A lot of them failed, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So there's a massive shortfall. Um, and it kind of hit us at the 
the very end of the mortgage term. Um, mm-hmm. So there was really no room or time. It's not like you know that yeah. there's going to be a massive payout in a couple of years. It was yeah. like... Right there and then. You know, there and then, this yeah. is the shortfall. And there was even that repossession proceedings, etc. So uh, during that period of time, I actually took out a personal loan uh, to cover the balance, obviously emptied savings and whatnot, because I didn't want my mum to lose, lose, the, house, lose yeah. the house. Yeah. Um, so off the back of that, that got me into property investing. So from going through the courts with regards to fighting for possession of the property and things like that, mm-hmm. um, I'd really had to dig through this massive piles of uh, information regards to mortgages and things like that, regards to the, uh, the products that my mom had taken out and different remortgages and things like that. So it was a, it was a baptism of fire, I guess you can call it. I can um, imagine. Yeah. It, I can imagine. Yeah. So really, really challenging time. Um, so, but now I managed to graduate, um, graduated with 2-1. And then from there on, it was a case of financial responsibility. It happened prior, but financial responsibility for the household. Uh, so at that point, after graduating, I did have these ambitious uh, ideas of going into medicine and things like that. Um, and, and it just hit me that I need to I need to earn some money. I need mm-hmm. to earn some cash. The part-time jobs that I had weren't, weren't cutting it at the time especially now having responsibility for, for, for a mortgage. Yeah. Um, and a recruitment, I was contacted a headhunting by a, uh, a, a, a director of recruitment business in, in, in Birmingham. Um, and yeah, brought me in for an interview and, and kind of the rest is history really. So I've been in recruitment now for the past uh, couple of years. And how do you balance the property side of things and the recruitment side of things as well? Is that an easy thing to navigate or? No, not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's benefited me in the uh, earning potential, and I, that's the reason why with recruitment you can. Yeah. In your first year, I mean, I was I was quite successful. I was extremely driven, of course. Yeah. Um, due to the circumstances. Um, but yes, you you have got lots of earning potential, so that that helped me with regards to the property journey, with regards to mm-hmm. saving for further deposits and being able to cover the mortgage. But in terms of work life balance, and I did watch your your last uh, this your last podcast as well many recruiters across the world listen to this <laughs> can attest to recruitment is a extremely demanding line of work yeah um so balancing has been difficult um but kind of managed and uh, and fortunately in a position now where um there's more of that work-life balance on i guess it's a guess of just learning how to manage your, your different activities okay so what's the big picture for you because obviously you've got projects going on at the moment with property yeah. you're still in recruitment I like what how you've started this because ultimately you've got you've used recruitment and a full time job or a full time career to basically fund what you actually eventually I guess want to do. Yeah, and that leads on to one of the first questions I have is how did you get started in property? Because mm. I believe a lot of people um, they want to get started in property, but they don't quite know how. First and foremost, so the know how yeah. is there's always a gap there, but secondly you need funds, you need capital to be able to do that. So yeah. how did you get started? So with me, um, as, as I said, it's the, that, that first um, initial investment was through a personal loan. And, mm. and looking back now, it's, it's, it's extremely risky business. Um, mm-hmm. to, to, well, I, I, who knows really when you analyze it, because again, it was going towards an actual, it was, it was, it was investment. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's how I first got my first chunk of uh, money into, into property and then also savings and stuff like that. I've done quite well with savings at that time. Um, and then since then it's been, um, leveraging off the 
existing property as mm-hmm. well as my own earning potential as well as um yeah yeah leveraging my own earning potential really so th- th- that is the major um i guess barrier to entry with regards to properties is deposits but it doesn't necessarily have to be a barrier to entry i mean i'm 27 a lot of my friends this was obviously but go first got involved in property back in 2015 but a lot of my prep my um my friends now are reaching ages where they're getting their first properties mm-hmm. and deposits aren't relatively speaking that different first residential mm-hmm. shouldn't be that difficult or some to to be able to, to to come up with especially looking at different government schemes that are on offer yeah sure yeah so you probably how would you get started um, my first um guess a piece of advice would be to to get yourself a residential um mm-hmm. and, and particularly if you're adding any uh, value to that property it can be a really good way of there's tax efficiency to that with regards to capital expenditures um and it can be a really good way of just getting into get, getting on a property ladder as it were yeah sure so get it on residential first i believe that and i agree with that completely there is there seems to be a train of thought certainly on social media now from what i've seen and from interactions i've had with people who follow me on ig that they see a residential property almost as a waste of time, mm-hmm. that the first jump that they want to make is into a buy-to-let. Yeah. What's your view on that? I think um, it, if you're living at home and your living circumstances at home are in a way set up in a way which you can stay at home for an extended period of time and you do no urgency to move out, then purchasing a buy-to-let property it's going to be more difficult uh, from a lending point of view to, mm-hmm. to get a mortgage, uh, but not impossible. Um, if you can then buy a buy-to-let property and then rent it out, having zero living expenses, the numbers speak for themselves. Absolutely, uh, in terms yeah. of the, its potential to then be able to fund the further buy-to-lets and and even potentially a, a, a residential. Um, so there's that that that. If someone said to me, and that's the situation, I'd say, well, yeah, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the case in, in my experience a lot of the time a lot of the time people want to get out the the family home and mm-hmm. want to get their own property and there's nothing wrong with that yeah. um so yeah that, that's probably been my my thoughts on that so you've been in property now for well just over five, coming up five years just over five yeah, years now just over five years yeah. what are the things that you've learned in terms of your journey so far and what are some of the myths that you've that you've kind of encountered that you think well i thought that before and actually that's completely untrue yeah um I mean, I've been to my fair share of uh, courses, seminars, <laughs> or, or, or the ones you hear about, or, yeah. or, or the ones you hear about. Um, yeah, from Forex to property investing to you, you name it, I've been to them. Um, thankfully, though, I've never been lured uh, enough to, to sign up to the hefty, um, the hefty signing up fees that there is. Um, but I think even kind of going back to at that time when you've got this uh, idea that getting into property investment, you're going to be a multimillionaire driving into driving a Ferrari in a couple of months within mm-hmm. the year mm-hmm. um, is, is a massive misconception. Um, property is a long property. Investing is a long game. Um, it, it, it's a long game. Investing in general is a long game in my view. Yeah. Um, but then we still get people that come up to me and say, look, um, I want to get into property investing. What do you think about rent to rent? And I'm like, Unfortunately, sorry to burst your bubble, but I personally don't class rent to rent as property investing. Okay, um, okay. The main value in property investing is 
for the long term. The main the main returns that you will get in property investing is capital growth over the mm-hmm. long term. Yeah, in most circumstances, will far outperform uh, any sort of rental income uh, mm-hmm. that you get profit. Yeah, yep. profit wise. So if you're doing a rent to rent, one you don't own the property, um, so you're not holding an asset for mm-hmm. a return or for long term growth. Um, and two, you don't, yeah, you don't, you don't benefit from that long-term capital growth, which is the where the majority of wealth or financial prosperity from property will come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you lose all the leveraging abilities and talk for days about the numbers and leveraging against an asset, an asset and yeah. things like that, but you lose out on that ability as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think rent to rent is more kind of like a cash flow play yeah. more than anything else, because you're right. If it's not your property to begin with and you don't get to benefit from the the capital appreciation or the value appreciation of that property so that you can leverage and expand your property portfolio even further. Um, Rent to rent seems to be a really popular one right now, though. Uh, Again, it's all over social media and all sorts of stuff. It's just, I had a friend of mine um, in London say he wants to start doing this. I'm like, why? Like, why? And on on the topic of courses as well, because you you said that you weren't uh, lured into the high fees and some of these courses are very, very expensive. And yeah. I've always asked the question said, if you're going to pay, you know, five, 10,000 pounds for sometimes a more and sometimes you find more. that money, like that's a deposit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for, for a flat. A- absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just the idea of it is, um, yeah. Uh, it, 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 people are, developing a business and, and one another thing as well is if you're so successful in property to to run a course and have i don't know 50 100 people attending to your course and you're charging them thirteen thousand pounds mm-hmm. why and you think that's value in that why are you not just focusing on property investing if that if that's if you, where you've made your success is is there why are you charging people excessive amounts of money yeah. for a course yeah to do yeah, to not be your main revenue stream is yeah. contradicting in, in my mind. I say exactly the same thing when it comes to forex trading. Yeah, like if you're if you're that good of a forex trader, that at a point that you're making money hand over fist, and if the, the the tales are true that you can do this working an hour, two hours a day, yeah, then why spend the energy to sell the courses and actually? try to get people into the courses it's yeah. it's always a contradictory thing that i always think that for many people who want to get into this kind of lifestyle of you know you want to be a digital nomad and there are schemes out there that can get you there rich it's you have to really think about what they're telling you and yeah. step away and really look at it for what it is but i guess with social media it is all about what's sexy what the hype is and so on and so forth and you know I can see why people get caught up in it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think even kind of going back to the, the question around pro- property investing in regards to like other different strategies, like, I mean, strategies like rent to rent may have their place. There, there, there may be people out there that are able to, 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 to make a success of it. It's, it's, it's a viable strategy. I can see how in certain circumstances it would work. Um, but comparing rent to rent, um, things like lease options and stuff like that to investing is probably similar to what you might have experienced with people saying that trading is stock market investing or saying, yeah, yeah I want yeah. to invest in the market. Or yes, uh, so how do I trade? Mm-hmm. It's, very, it's very different 
um, techniques, it's very different skill sets, it's very different approaches, mindsets. It's extremely, extremely different. Um, So, um, yeah, I think think the most important thing is to educate yourself and to not get caught up into uh, paying excessive amounts for courses. There's lots of free information out there. There's lots of low-priced, value-adding information out there. so yeah, there's no reason to to pay a deposit for. So, what strategies would you say work for? And what strategies work for you in the property yeah. um, industry at the moment? So, for me, my strategies are it's been strictly buy to let so far. Um, I've got a property that I've been looking at doing a HMO for for a long time. It's perfect, almost perfect HMO property. But again, another misconception with HMO it's like, oh yeah, just get a property. It's just got X amount of rooms. Oh, yeah, just get people in there. Whack it on spare room. You're good to go. And it's not how it works. You've obviously got various different restrictions in different areas with regards to HMO. Um, you've obviously got the an initial um, setup of the HMO with regards mm-hmm. to all the uh, emergency lighting, fire doors, etc. cetera. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. Um, so I haven't, I haven't ventured into HMOs. It's been strictly to lets and that suits my long-term investment strategy um, going for capital growth because I still have my my day-to-day yeah so for the benefit of people who may just be looking at property as something that they want to get into mm-hmm. what are the key things that they need to know in terms of the strategies how different they are what the require, requirements are and so the things that they need to know to be to get started yeah so I mean the first thing is as we mentioned I'd go for getting a residential first depending on your circumstances you can never give advice to 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 everybody but it seems like a sensible place to start um and and then when you're getting into actually property investing the first thing i would advise people to do is to work out what their goals are Mm -hmm. um because Mm -hmm. one property um deal let's say um so property available property um might work for one at the same price might work for one person for their strategy and be completely the opposite and something another person wants to avoid because of how far away it is from their strategy and their mm. goals. Um, so, and this is comparing the uh, capital growth um, play um, compared to cash flow. Mm-hmm. And, and things like HMOs are more tailored towards uh, cash flowing. Um, but again, you can, no, no individual property will be one or the other. Um, you, you, you likely see a mix of both, but how biased towards either capital growth or cash flow you are um will depend upon yeah you, you need to ascertain that before you mm-hmm. can then uh, make a decision on which particular investment to make or which particular deal to go with so i suppose really it's very very similar to what i talk about when we talk about investing in in the stock market and the fact that to start off with you have to understand what your goal is yeah. because your goal will inform your investment strategy and it's very yeah. much the same in property if you're looking for cash flow if you're looking for capital growth over what period of time, then the kind of properties where you buy, so on and so forth, the size of these that you go for will yeah. depend solely on those on those goals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And getting it wrong can be costly. Yeah, getting it wrong can be extremely costly because, yeah, it, it, it properties very, very, very differently depending on what your strategy is. Mm. Um, one hat on, cash flow hat you're not looking at the same properties whatsoever, not even the same areas. Some scenarios probably not even the same parts of the country if you're going for cash flow as opposed to capital growth and vice versa. Yeah. So that's extremely, extremely important. Uh, one of the second things I'd say is to develop a team around you. Um, that's been something that 
particularly about this year, back in the last year, has really helped me accelerate my my journey because it has been a a long slog. I've always known I needed to develop a, a power team, which mm-hmm. was initially, initially uh, described to me. Um, but the process of doing it includes testing those people that you've got in your team. Yeah, sure. So, so there's no good saying, yeah, I've got a power team because I know that person, that person, that person. Have you worked with that person on the project? Do you mm-hmm. know anybody else that the person's worked with? Because yes, it might sound good that you're in contact with this particular professional, but how do you know how competent they are? And there's obviously vetting and due diligence you can do. But until you actively are involved in a project with that particular person, understanding how they operate and how to get the most out of them is quite difficult to do. Mm. Um, so yeah, developing a network around um, conveyances, um, estate agencies is extremely key. Some of the relationships I've been able to get from estate agents have been extremely valuable for for, for my own property property journey. Um, uh, conveyances, um, mortgage broker. Um, mm-hmm. You need to you need to engage with a competent, independent mortgage broker. There's people that go for the, the, the first property purchase and walk into their the bank where their current account is and say, "Look, can I have a mortgage, please?" Yeah, and it, and and it, and, it, and people don't understand that that person is restricted to the products that that particular. Yeah. Um, you're shopping on one shelf basically yeah, yeah, that's it absolutely it's like absolutely. going to tesco's and like <laughs> looking at one shelf that's it yeah <laughs> you know yeah. yeah yeah so so that's that's a key that's a key aspect um yeah so say power team uh and speaking to a mortgage broker that comes quite early on just to understand um really what's available to you and and i always tend to want to use mortgage brokers that are property investors themselves or okay. deal with property investors mm-hmm. because there are mortgages are a minefield. There's yeah. many, many products out there. Mm-hmm. So having someone that can advise you on which one works for you in your and your particular goals, which are very different to someone who just wants a resident who wants to upgrade because they've had a new, another another child. It's, it's a very different approach. Um and it's different um, strategies that you might employ uh, for someone who wants to invest rather than to uh, to upgrade a residential or whatever it might be. So I think you made a really good point there with um, building a team, and you've mentioned a few people that are that are key to have around you. How do you go about building or getting a team like that, though? Because I think network is one thing, and being able to use your network. Yeah. But for someone who's like literally just fresh. How would you say is the best way to really go about getting that that team behind you? So my recruitment background, I think, has been extremely beneficial um, in in this aspect. Not just because of the interpersonal skills and dealing with individuals from all backgrounds or levels or different types of companies, things like that. Also, the networking aspect of it. Um, I think many people. There's a, there's a huge there's a huge part, portion of the population that work in professional roles where they have to utilize the skills that you would need to network successfully in their day to day. Perhaps haven't just realized that those skills are extremely transferable. Yeah. Um, in a, in a different way. Um. So in terms of building a power team, LinkedIn is a is a is a is a fantastic tool. Whether I engage with that person through LinkedIn or through another means, I always connect to that person on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, and then just in regards to agents, contact your agents, go on viewings. When you go on viewings, person that shows you around the property, build a relationship with them. They 
see are on the ground sitting in an office, sat next to sales, sat next to lettings, with walk-ins from uh, investors, walk-ins from potential tenants. They see and pick up a lot of information around the market that you want to invest in. Mm-hmm. Develop your relationship with that person. Um, yeah, so that that's 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 one one very very key thing that I've utilised. Um, how else would you build your network? Networking events are always good. Um, I did a lot of them in my early days, but no, <laughs> recently I've, I've not. Uh, it's probably this bad thing. It's, it's not a good thing, uh, but I haven't been attending networking events. Time, time as well. It, it, I think with networking events, you either love it or you hate it. Yeah. They're, they're one of those things where it's almost like they're a necessary evil. It's like <laughs> you want to go, you know, you've got to go, but it can be so awkward sometimes because you know for a fact that a lot of people there are only there for one particular reason. If you if you don't if you don't match the bill, then you move on very very quickly. Yeah. And I I used to do a lot of networking, and that was always an element that I was really uncomfortable with. But it's a necessary evil to meet. You never know who you're going to meet there. I remember when going to a networking event. I met one guy, and we started talking for a bit, and we ended up doing a lot of business on the investment side of things. And yeah that came completely out of the blue. So I feel your pain when it comes to networking. It's a, uh, it's a difficult one. It's it's like lottery. It's like the lottery literally because you can, and I think a lot of numbers game as well. There's, there's loads of different things you can, you can um, use to approach. You can probably write a book on network. There probably is our books out there on, on successful networking. But in my view, it's a numbers game. You are going to meet those people who are in the same position as you and perhaps yeah. not, even in your position yet mm-hmm. um and you you've got to be quite cutthroat and distinguished and yeah you mm-hmm. can build your network and yes you can add the person on linkedin and whatnot but you don't want to spend your whole evening speaking to the person who's two years behind you you want to Absolutely. speak to the guys where where you want to be so yeah. um yeah that's what i'd say yeah. to... one of the big things that i i've had a, i have on ig speaking to and i can think of maybe three people that have asked me this all the time. This is always a big question yeah. people ask. And I'd like to get your views on this is funding. Mm-hmm. When is it right to use things like bridging loans, all those kind of things to actually get yourself in a position where you're working on the project? Because again, I know that I've spoken to maybe two people at least in London where property prices are a little bit more where the need for, capital to go in is a little bit high and they're struggling mm. with that and now thinking right okay so i've got this much i can get into the property but i'm gonna need a bridging loan to refurb and do all this kind of stuff what's been your secret to, to funding have you got any tips there for people depends on your appetite to risk that's 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 the first thing i'd say um in terms of property you you purchase an asset if it's your if it's an investment property not your residential like arguments over that but it's, it's, it's an investment mm-hmm. property let's stick with that yeah. if it's an investment property it's an asset mm-hmm. um so if it's an asset unless you over leverage compared to the value of the asset or your access or your equity let's say it's it'd be probably very difficult to and and, and in interest rates on that bridging loan um coming coming to that this equation mm-hmm. but ultimately you're lending money to buy an asset, uh, uh, which should be an income generating, long term appreciating asset. Mm-hmm. So as long as the numbers work, if you run the numbers, I'm not adverse to it. Um, I think I think it, there's there's an absolute a place for for that. Um, 
I mean, looking how I got into starting into property, that's a, that was effectively something similar to a, a, a bridging loan or yeah, something sure. like that to, to to take our personal loan to then put onto into a property. So it has its and that, and that got me to where I am now. So there's there's places for it, but I'd be um I'd be wary about people overexposing themselves, over committing high interest rates on 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 these bridging loans, um, and also running the numbers. Refurbs can be deceptive when it comes to <laughs> running the numbers and yeah. sticking to a budget and yeah. other things that come up in regards to during the, the refurb so yeah particularly if there's a some kind of surprise that you didn't quite account for that needs to be done alongside that work as well absolutely and if you're starting out those things are going to happen yeah. it's happened it happens to all the best of us the these things will happen in your journey so it's about making sure that you put as many safeguards in place. You really, really diligent with the numbers that you run, really realistic. And yeah, you do just do the proper research before you before you um, embark on anything like that, because you don't want to end up overexposed and then there's perhaps a mark on your credit file and then it can just completely derail your um, your momentum. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with um with with bridging loans in particular the network then becomes very very important because yeah. you want to have a, a mortgage broker that knows what they're doing when it comes to bridging loans who knows how they function is able to explain them to you adequately as well because the terms on some bridging loans can be very very restrictive sometimes yeah uh, depending on obviously what you're what you've got it for and what rates are and so on and so forth and yeah having a decent mortgage broker or a contact that can help you navigate that um, is always very, very important as well. I'd recommend people in that scenario, if you're looking at bridging loan, look at friends and family. Mm. Uh, I know, I know it's, a, it's, yeah, that advice is probably, a, I wouldn't call that advice, <laughs> but I, I'd say that there's many scenarios that I know of where people have been able to tap into equity from their parents or tap into equity from, you know, grandparents or whoever it might be. Um, and you can set up a formal agreement and, and give that person a charge on the property. But instead of um, having to answer to a shark, you're answering to your parents. <laughs> your grandparents. So, <laughs> may or, which may or may not be worse. So depends <laughs> on your situation. Yeah, I mean, I work in financial services and that phrase isn't an understatement. Some yeah. of them are sharks. They yeah, are. Yeah. Some of them are absolute sharks. So I definitely can, uh, I can relate to that reference right there. Have yeah. you had any... Um, bad experiences or nightmares on a, on a redevelopment or anything like that? Um, fortunately not, no. Um, nothing, nothing catastrophic. I mean, it's boilers go all the time and it's tenants flood bathrooms all the time. And you, yeah, it's, it's just, and it's and perhaps important for you viewers to, to know is that getting into property, you think it's plain sailing and, you're going to sail off into the sunset. You're going to be on a beach in a couple of years. And it's not that. I'm still answering the phone. I, I mm-hmm. self-manage. Um, that's just a personal preference. Um, the experience itself has been great. Okay. Yeah, yes, in terms of managing work-life balance and um, what's the phrase in terms of um, yeah, being like a hands-off residual, mm-hmm. no involvement investor. Yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds nice. But if you want to continue have a long-term career, it's probably good for you to manage a property for a period of time. Um, so that's something that I do. So yeah, I get calls from tenants and stuff like that around. Yeah, as I said, this real situation: tenants flooded the bathroom, had to. It wasn't substantial repairs; we had to repair it and things like that. So 
yeah, there's fair share of different things kind of um, day to day, but nothing catastrophic, thankfully. Um, yeah. On your journey so far, is there anything that, any lessons that you've learned that you wish, well, actually, you know what, with hindsight, I probably would have done that a little bit differently to the, to what I did. Mm. Um. I, I'm I'm of the view that I think taking action is is one of the most important things in regards to investing or in life in general. So if I kind of look back and say, okay, well, let's say I didn't take action and make that particular decision, and then waited for a bit longer, got a bit more information, got a bit more knowledge, and then made that decision, I, I've wasted the education I've got from that particular lesson mm-hmm. and even the cost of uh, opportunity cost um, as well from not making that decision yeah, yeah, to yeah. then making it down the line. So yeah. I think there's quite a lot of things that go into that. I mean, fortunately, it's not anything I can say clear cut. If I would have done this instead of that, I would have been in this position. Which, yeah, I, I can't really say so. I think, and that's that's probably good for the viewers as well to to, to know that it's, it, taking action is the most important thing. Even if, even if it was a decision or a lesson I'd learned that put me back a couple of years, yeah, you've learned it now. And yeah. if you're if you continue and you're resilient, that lesson, somebody else that hadn't learned that lesson might or learn that later on in their career, and it might be even more damaging to them. So, I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't take a view that is necessarily. I would have done things differently. Um, you make a really good point in saying that, though, because you're right. Action is the most important thing. And, yeah, you might have, you know, had a bit more education, like you say, but the property game is really competitive. If you waited, yeah. didn't get the property, then you've got to wait even further, to even more, to get another property that might be more expensive, might not be just as right as the other one was. So. Yeah. I think the lesson there is actually very, very key in the fact that action is really, action is really important in any game, let alone just property. And there's no perfect property. There is no perfect property. You control all the site. You can you can spend you can spend years, years, literally years, <laughs> searching for this ideal property that's going to give you X amount of cash flow. It's going to be worth ten times as much in, in a couple of years. And by that time, you, you, you've, you've missed out on years' worth of capital growth. You've missed mm. out on years' worth of rental income. And you've missed out on them being on the next challenge and, mm-hmm. and, and the next learning curve. And the, So, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of my view on that. So what is your, what's your big goal um, in property at the moment? When I got into property, I said, I kind of, sat down with myself and I said, okay, well, what, what's, what's my, what am I looking to do here? What, why am I, why am I getting involved in this? And one of the goals that I had and goals, even as we talk about goal setting, it can be as ridiculous as you want. It can be as silly as you want. And you say them to other people, people might not understand or, 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 or might misinterpret, but my goal was to be on site in a hard hat and a high vis <laughs> on my own development. That, that's, that's, that's my, one of my goals in property. Um, I, I want to be, hard hat on some scaffolding on my development. Um, so that, that's one of my goals um, long-term. And obviously the financial freedom and things like that, mm-hmm. that, that, that kind of comes with time. Yeah. How far off do you think you're from that at this point in time? 
Um, I, I was hoping to get to that point by 30. Um, so that's three years away. Uh-huh. Um, I, I could probably do it at 30. I, I, I could probably do it sooner than that. But it everything does need to have its time as well. And, and the back end needs to be where it needs to be. So, um, and as well, my younger brother will be graduating in architecture in a couple of years. So okay. you know, <laughs> I'll get him on side. <laughs> Architects are extremely expensive, which I've learned on this well, the past two um, uh, uh, refabs extensions I've done. Architects can be extremely expensive. So, What's your brother's name, by the way? Daniel. Daniel. I know yeah, Daniel. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah, Daniel. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's a good guy. He's a really, he, really good guy. He introduced me to, 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 to your, your You your know what it was, right? Now that I think back to it, he he messaged me on IG last year and he goes, yo, dude, I'd really like to sit down with you and just like ask a few questions and stuff. And I said, yeah, cool. No worries. Like yeah. one day I'm finished, we'll just catch up and have like drinks or, or dinner or something like that. And we'll talk. Yeah. And he mentioned an older brother. And I, I literally only just really? clocked wow, okay. that it's you that he's talking about because I've noticed on IG that he follows you and he's obviously doing some property stuff now. He's got the yeah, architectural yeah. things and he yeah, was saying, yeah. yeah, this is what I want to do and all that kind of stuff. Small world. Yeah, small yeah, world. yeah, small world. So, so he has taken my advice, and I, 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 I do push him quite hard, and um, he, he's done, he's he's done extremely well. Um, so yeah, so it's glad to see that he's networking and reaching out to people like that. Yeah, he's, man. Yeah, it's, it's really good to. So, to would the vision for you to be for him to design a place, and you then obviously as a team build it? Yeah, yeah, We'd, yeah. This, yeah, brothers in business, so. So, no, there's n- there's no better thing than having family in business people that you can actually trust and i think that's one of the big things that i'm really really big on through career and stuff like that there is nothing more important than having good people around you that yeah. sounds flippant but it's often very very hard to to ascertain really really hard to ascertain people undervalue the importance of no nobody uh, if someone can tell me their story and have done anything by themselves then hats off to him but from my experience, it always takes behind every successful person. You'll see key players, mm-hmm. perhaps uh, even more intelligent, more driven, or um, make, more, make, make more sacrifices than the person, the actual initial figure that you see. Mm-hmm. But there is certainly people around them that are either soundboards or mentors or yeah, people that encourage you, people that share your journey. Um, th- things like that and that's important to have around you I, I say to the people that um, are employees all the time I say look I need you to tell me if I'm wrong I need you to challenge me I, I encourage people to challenge me because if I'm challenged and you show me something I don't know I'm now not going through the world thinking that I know the right answer to yeah, a particular sure. problem yeah. and now I know there's a there's a there's a, there's a a better approach to or better answer for it and, and it helps you to continuously develop and continuously learn yeah. and that's ex- extremely key because you'll mess up if you think you know you'll um, you'll mess up yeah. very quickly and I guess I do want to ask you this because for me this is always an important question particularly when I speak to people who who are from my background we're both black and we look at the wealth divide in the UK and just mm-hmm. backgrounds demographics in general yeah, I think it, it is safe to say that people from our background, in terms of opportunities, maybe aren't quite as there. And, and, and maybe there's an element of education and maybe belief in the capability to do certain things. How important do you feel that poverty, poverty plays a part in that journey towards financial freedom, wealth and, and 
that capability for people from our background to be able to step into this kind of world because I guess for some 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 groups it feels almost unattainable sometimes when you look at your surroundings yeah. and so on and so forth how important of a part do you think poverty can play in that journey well as an investment vehicle um, the reason why I focus on property the reason why I'm extremely biased towards property as a regard compared to other um, investment vehicles investment strategies is because I see the potential in it that's 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 a, a investment vehicle that I personally have weighed up the options and I thought look that that's this is a great up this is a great vehicle to use mm. um for for my personal reasons but for reasons of like fundamentals where you look at when you look at any investment vehicles what what's what's the fundamentals of this and for me the supply and demand element um and just the the way that um property works as an asset class is 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 extremely active uh, attractive to me mm-hmm. um and also its potential to generate long-term wealth through through that kind of capital growth uh aspect that we've talked about so is, is an investment vehicle property can be extremely useful um and can go back to the question around access in regards to our community it comes back to this question about opportunity versus outcome mm-hmm. and it's a complicated, it's a very complex question. Um, this, and there's, there's many, many layers to it. Uh, education is obviously an extremely important one without, mm. without, yeah, without proper education. I mean, nowadays you've got lots of different platforms out there that are offering free uh, education, free information. Um, but compared, yeah, compared to, I don't know, when I was first learning about property, I found getting free information extremely difficult mm. so there's that aspect which has changed but then another thing as well is about um access and and um what you can see people see you your products of your environment to a certain degree so yep. if you don't see anybody actively successful in property and all you see is perhaps negative figures or or, or people that are in music or entertainment things like that then you I don't see how it would come up on your radar to yeah. see a property investor. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about yourself, but I didn't know recruitment was a, a career choice <laughs> until I, I ended up in outside my first day of recruitment. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know yeah. what your situation was with regards to financial services, but there's a lot of sectors, opportunity, career choices that you just don't think are possible. Mm-hmm. That actually, if you were introduced to it as, I don't know, 12 year old, 13 year old, 15 year old, whatever it might be might be something that you clicked okay yeah that's what i want to do yeah um so yeah, there's that and so the other challenges that we that we experience um so it's a complex question in my view but absolutely something that i think that people from all communities particularly our community we struggle to get onto that well competitive level in, in the yeah. wealth building arena is something that we should be looking towards yeah when i think yeah you're right it is a very very complex um sort of topic to approach and after when i have conversations with people i always say look it's not just clear cut it's not clear cut well yeah you can definitely do this no you can't do this there are so many levels and it it boils down to your your own personal circumstances as well education in my opinion though is is key and it is that ability to know that something is possible first and foremost yeah having a role model is always very very nice but having access to that information that education to know well actually if i get the the know-how behind this this is how i can forward myself going forward then the role model becomes important in that because you've got an example to lead by 
but you know in my field where i talk about money and finances and and things like that you know often it starts with the very very small things around money management and taking care yeah. of your credit report because that's really important if you're going to be getting into you know property or any kind of you know thing in life those <laughs> things are very very important so the the education is multi multi-layered in in so many different aspects and so many different ways yeah and you, and you kind of you look back and you think well actually if I would at 16 or 70 or whatever age decided to take out car finance on a, I was I've always been too into cars. If I decided to get take out car finance on a on a car that I'd liked, and then ended up defaulting mm-hmm. because I hadn't thought about property investment yet, yeah, then I'd now be in a position where I've, I've got an issue that I need to rectify and increase my yeah. barrier to entry into property. Yeah. So a, education early on as well is, is extremely important. And, and I say car finance; it doesn't have to be car finance. It could have been a phone bill for yeah. for, for, a, for a new iPhone that you wanted when you were when you were younger and you haven't perhaps addressed it. it could be things like parking tickets. There's so much stuff that you wouldn't necessarily link to restricting you to become a property investor. Yeah that actually when you understand the landscape it's these are key things that you need to navigate to yeah. in order to get to get there and it starts with yeah, as far back as when as soon as you're old enough to take out a credit agreement that, mm-hmm. that's that's where you need the education about the the, the damages potential damages and potential restrictions yeah. um something like that can, can cause did you learn all of that from personal experience or did you get any formal kind of financial education as they call it because that's my big thing yeah. in terms of we don't get it in school i certainly didn't get it in school i didn't get it from my mom and dad and i've had to learn by making mistakes and that's one of the reasons why this podcast exists to kind of yeah. have these conversations to teach people did you did you learn it from experience or did you just kind of just know that well i'd probably be mindful of this uh definitely learned through experience um, i've had no formal uh, finance training, um, anything like that. I, 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 my, I started off career, uh, my career, recruitment career, recruiting in finance, accountancy, and oh, finance. Okay. Um, that's been I can't. It's been invaluable. Um, mm. I, I can't put a value on that. As you will know, finance with regards to business, commercial developing commercial acumen. I mean, finance is the the first department in, the last department out. Yeah, it's the department that keeps things ticking over it's it's the the lifeblood of of any business so in regards to and i recruit across like financial accountants management accountants um you name it uh, you name it finance managers fds what, what, mm-hmm. what, what, what not um and understanding how those particular individuals fit within a business and then how that department fits in within that business is it, really giving me an understanding about cash flow and yeah budgeting forecasting things like that and and i've perhaps apply some of that knowledge to my personal life um whatever else has been through um through through experience and through uh, my, my my colleague and, and co-founder of smart money management ryan he, he's actual he's a finance professional oh, and, yeah, yeah. and he's been once from a lot longer than before <laughs> than he was <laughs> a pro- actual finance professional he, he's is the definition of frugal yeah um i remember when we went to napa in I think 2014 Somehow he made money good going going <laughs> going to Napa and it's like it's like how how do you do that and everyone else is, anyway yeah so um true entrepreneur at heart yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly so it's good to have people uh, I was perhaps fortunate having someone who's quite opposite to me um, yeah I'd had 
bad spending habits in the past and all the lessons and things that you have to kind of go through to understand the value importance of how monetary systems work and uh, yeah uh, so it's been yeah. extremely beneficial for me yeah you've covered a lot there in terms of discussion that, we, that we've already had if you could round it up in kind of like maybe one or two pieces if you had someone who says like marcus i want to get into property mm-hmm. what are the top two things that you would you would tell them i'd say first start off with your goals that would be my first thing why do you want to get into property investing yes it's great um, property investment is great for, for, for a lot of people but why do you want to do it because your answer as well as great as property investment might be might tell me that property investment is probably not the the, the thing that you want to to to, to spend time doing mm. it might be something else so what are your goals first and foremost that's that's one of the most important things people don't like to hear that stuff though when you say when you say when you say oh sit down and write down your goals and you need to be extreme specific people don't like people shut off it's like it's like they don't want to do it yeah and i guess i was the same but it really is true in, until you perhaps make a decision based on not having a goal and then lay down the line, you realize what your goal is and that, and then you look back and say, actually, that took me on a massive tangent. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't understand the value in goal setting. So goal setting is extremely important. And then second, like we've already said, education, you need to find out about this minefield of a sector, which is property investing. So any free education you can get, there's lots out there. Go and take it. Any free courses, even any small charge courses. Um, if something's reasonably priced, or you think you might get a lot of value from, there's there's assign a budget for that for that specific thing, and and go on you thirty pound course a month for whatever it might be, because that's within your budget. Yeah. Um. So that's yeah. So I'd say goal setting and then education first and foremost. Yeah. No, I think you're you're right when you talk about um I can I could speak for, <laughs> for, for ages on people asking me a question about what do you think about this? Is this something that is good? And I say, right, okay, these are the pros, these are the cons, this is what you really need to know. And so why do you want to do this, by the way? Like, why <laughs> why do you want to buy this one thing? And it's like, well, I don't know. It's like, okay, well. Is there a reason behind it or are you just you into this because you're seeing it on social media and your mates are talking about it and everyone's talking about it now? What is your reason? And yeah. often when I find people ask me questions about things, isn't it's not necessarily because they want an opinion. They're looking for validation of their point yeah. of view. Yeah, and yeah. that is always a really um difficult thing to do in any walk in life because I know for a fact that even when I have an idea to say, right, I want to do this, in my head, it's already sold. Yeah, yeah. I know why I want to do it. So anybody telling me something that I don't necessarily want to hear, you naturally have that defensive side, that defense mechanism that comes in because, well, that doesn't ring true to what I've got in my head already. And it's it can be very, very difficult to listen to that other side and take it into account, but it's important to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I'm extremely big on regards to mindset is it, in that scenario so if i've got an idea and i'm i'm, I'm not very inclined I'll, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and i'll be trying to message my mates and say look oh, i've got this idea or message whoever's i think fits into the picture mm-hmm. um and it is a fine balance between balancing the opinions of others knowing that 
you shouldn't let one individual opinion affect you too much or sway you off your course too much. Mm-hmm. But then as well, you always want to absorb and process the information. As long as you absorb it, you process it, and, you, and you, you're real with yourself around your influences, ego, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And evaluating that and follow a process and, and be around people that you can challenge, that will, you'll go to with an idea, who feel comfortable and empowered to challenge you back. And then you challenge them back on your response as to why you want to do it. Mm. And come out of that dialogue with knowing, yeah, actually, my, my, my plan has stood up to someone who I respect and who knows what they're talking about. Um, or, or no, actually, after a couple of points backwards and forwards, it all fell to pieces and I need to go back yeah. to the drawing board. Mm. And that's, and that's a, an approach I think people need to learn to remove their ego and approach things like that. And it's hard to do, obviously, but. And I suppose that kind of speaks a little bit to what you were saying before about having a team around you that that you trust. Yeah, yeah. To give for them to give you a straight up opinion that isn't um, based on any biases. The fact that well, we want to make sure that he's happy and, and yeah. pleased all the time. It's based on actually the best interest at heart here. This yeah. is what we think. These are the pros and cons, so on and so forth. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. And it's about building that network of people because you don't want to you don't want to be able to do that with people that you grew up with necessarily because people that you grew up with are probably not the best people out there to challenge mm. your mindset in the particular uh, field that you want to be in. Yeah. So it's, yes, it's about growing network is also important in that regard. It's the argument about having a mentor um, or maybe a coach that you work with. And this is something that came up on a previous um, episode of the podcast where um, we were talking about the importance of if you want to progress in anything, be it career or business, that it's always important to have a mentor or someone similar to help you reach that next level because that insight, that knowledge, that experience that they can impart on you, you can't pay money for that. It's invaluable in its its worth. Yeah, absolutely. So how do the listeners get hold of you if they wanted to reach out to you, Marcus? So um, if everybody please follow the uh, the Instagram, Smart Money Management LTD. Um, and yeah, just uh, send us a message um, through there. Perfect. I will link um, Marcus in the show notes below. Um, but guys, I hope that you found value in that conversation. Um, we might have Marcus back next week because I've actually asked out for questions um, that people might have on property investment so there might be another episode another conversation to be had around this but you know this is something that i know there is 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 of interest to people at this at this point in time property is all is a great asset class to to invest in in terms of building long-term wealth it is right up there in you know the leagues of investing stock markets in doing so and better yet it's physical you can touch it you can feel it you can live in it and that's always been a big um, positive for for property for many people so i hope that you found value in this episode and i appreciate your time listening in until next week i will catch you later